you glad we watched the OC where all of our ponies have alopecia. This is a podcast where we rewatch or in one of our cases watch for the first time the seminal 2000s purveyor of teen boys having an unreasonable and convenient to the plot number of candles in the model home, the OC. I'm your host Sarah and this is my co-host Evan. Evan, you came back for more. How you doing? I would it be fair to say I don't necessarily feel like I had a choice. <laughs> kidding, 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 kidding. I'm enjoying myself quite a lot. This has been a lot of fun so far. I'm curious to see where the hell this series goes because Jesus, I thought it started at like an 11 and then it somehow ramped up from there. Mm-hmm. I'm doing okay. How, how, how are you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> what have you, what are you drinking? What have you, what have you fixed yourself? A French 75. Ooh. If anybody who makes French 75s want to sponsor this podcast <laughs> in a can. I was going to say, is would, there like a French 75 in a can? No, man, that would be terrible. <laughs> no. I'm drinking water. Yay. Yeah. Water. It's for hydration. We get ours in a <laughs> bottle because this city is lead and it's water. <laughs> I'm sure this is fascinating for our twos of listeners. <laughs> okay, a lot happens in this episode. Yeah, Jesus Christ, a lot happens in this episode. There are continued leather chokers. Jack Kerouac is romanticized by teens who are definitely not just literal mouthpieces for the 30-year-old writers writing their characters. <laughs> Pancakes are consumed. There's copaganda. Luke shows depth. But not before there is a second fight. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> what do you think? Ryan is back, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Was he going to go away? How do you have a series if you're like, here's the most interesting character. And now he's gone. The stakes are really high for him, though, right now. Like, you picked up on that immediately. I think you paused, like, three seconds after he was in the kitchen drinking orange juice or whatever they were doing and you were like so much is happening he he is maybe gonna go to a foster home or a group home which he's not super thrilled about let's not kid ourselves that's not happening okay (laughs) but in the world of his character he doesn't know that's not happening for sure yeah he doesn't well yeah ryan the character doesn't know that he's in a serial television show and that he's the hot main character right (laughs) that he's absolutely going to live with these people somehow like that was party did you ever watch party of five no, but I'm familiar with it tangentially. I have no memory of Party of Five, although I watched... That's a different podcast. Um, <laughs> I I think they were going to go to a foster home at one point, but they never did. But I just... I don't know how you make a teen soap opera about being in a foster home sexy. So, no. They wouldn't have put him in a foster home. Yeah. You're correct. I feel like if they were going to put him in a foster home, that would have been introduced in episode one. Mm-hmm. And the multi-million dollar mansion with Hot Neighbor would not have been introduced in episode one. No. Yeah. No. I feel like that would be bad storytelling. What we do have is a very stupid idea. 
to get him to not go to a foster home, which is... Oh, my God. So, yeah, let's talk about Seth. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Seth a little bit. And also, let's talk about kind of how exhausting Seth's blindness to his own privilege is. Because, okay, so if I recall correctly, there's a conversation at one point where Seth is on the bed and Peter Gallagher sits down next to him and is like, hey, buddy, you know, let's talk. And Seth is like, God, Dad, I live with these troglodytes all day and I meet the first cool person and then you kick him out of the house. And like that sentence to me while we were watching it read very much like, Dad, you're getting rid of my dog. You know, <laughs> like, Dad, I really liked this iguana and mom says I can't keep him. So you're <laughs> selling him like that sucks for me because I'm not popular and I'm not sexy. And this cool iguana was the only chance I was going to have of summer ever paying attention to me. That's what it kind of felt like, you know. I want to piggyback on that a little bit because there is also a conversation had later in the episode where he's talking to Marissa, Seth is like in the driveway or something, and he's like, you never talked to me ever, and I've lived next to you for my whole life. And she's like, well, you never said anything to me. That, I feel like that's the same thing a little bit. He's, he's got the thing where he thinks he's special. Mm -hmm. He thinks he's special enough that people should go out of their way to fall all over him to be best friends with him to whatever whatever and another thing i don't even have to look in my notes to remember that i have this in my notes he is categorically good at two things <laughs> that would make any teen boy like the most popular kid in their class skateboarding he can skateboard he can skateboard and he can sail yeah 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 and skateboarding especially in 2003 i feel like and even now there's like the only time I have ever skateboarded in my life, I sat down on the skateboard and went down the a very steep hill on my back and then never did it again. So I speak from a place of great authority. <laughs> the only time I ever skateboarded was when my next my neighbor across the street in grade school got a skateboard and I was like, cool, I'm going to try it. Uh, and I, like, put one foot on it, and it, like, flew out behind me, and I fell directly on my face. Uh -huh. And I was like, skateboarding obviously isn't for me. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, I, I think I, I pointed out at one point, because uh, Seth comes out of the house or whatever, and he's got a long sleeve t-shirt uh -huh. under a polo. Uh -huh. And I'm like, we are so in the 2000s. Oh, my God, that is how I dressed in high school. I do want to point out that you are also dressed like that in Animal Crossing right now. Correct. Yes. Uh, Annie also obviously has Skechers uh, <laughs> in the sequence where they are, you know, having a good time as kids on the boardwalk or uh -huh. whatever. Um, where? Okay, but we can talk about that later. That's Skechers, available at Skechers. Dot sketch or not. They're not sponsoring we're not us. Sp we're not giving them free advertising <laughs> to our twos of listeners. Hello, Emily. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, hold on. Yeah, hang on. Well, let me let me finish my thought really quick. Um, because yeah. I just want to get this out there. Seth's character, and again, his obliviousness to his own, you know, privilege, sort of, 
Because, you know, um, and this will actually dovetail into their terrible idea um, where, okay, he's talking with Ryan and Ryan's like, well, guess I'm fucked. Guess there's really nothing I can do. But like Ryan has resigned himself to this because he understands what his life is like. You know, Ryan is like, I'm the kind of kid that gets put in foster care. That's just what happens. That's what happens to people like me. Right. And there's also the part, I think, in a different spot, but he's like, I'll go out and get a job. And the rest of them are like, uh, Job? Yeah. Oh God! Right. What's yeah. a job? They're a what? Uh-huh. Is that, what is that? A what? You're what? <laughs> right. Yeah. They have no concept for how his life and his circumstances and his opportunities are so much different than theirs. Um. So he's like, yeah. Well, it sucks. I guess I'll be in the system. Uh, and then he starts running away. Right. And Seth. <laughs> Seth just happens per- perfectly to be like, oh, you want to play PlayStation? Whoa, dude, are you leaving? Um, this family has, like, a really magical power to come upon one another when they're about to do something, uh-huh. right? Like, it happens later when Seth is going to sneak out and help Ryan, and Sandy just happens to be like, well, oh, son, let's have a face-to-face right now. And it's red as it's supposed to be late at night, and yet Sandy is somehow surprised that Seth is in bed. I'm like, what are you doing in bed? Why aren't you playstationing? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so Seth's terrible idea occurs to him because, again, it feels to me like he does not consider Ryan like a real human being, you know, with real emotions. And re- it still seems to me that Seth is like, oh, here's this cool toy that I can keep around and hopefully it'll give me social cachet he's with a manic, the girls I like. He's a manic pixie dream Ryan. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. He's, he's a guy who is going to, per Seth, make Seth discover who Seth is. Or at least open doors socially for Seth to get into. Correct. That he would not have access to without his mm-hmm. Ryan keycard. So since this is the dumping on Seth episode, apparently, <laughs> which I had no radar for this kind of thing when I first watched this show. I absolutely did not. I was like, oh, he has curly hair, and he's also disaffected, and he's dreamy. No, he is bringing everything on himself mm-hmm. right now. Oh, totally. The case in point. I listen to the same music as Marisa Cooper. Marisa Cooper? Marisa Cooper. Yeah, he's like, oh my god, just kill me. What? Seth is a dick. Oh, yeah, here, we didn't even talk about what his plan was. Okay, but we'll get back to that in a second, because okay. I really want to talk about how he's- Yeah, who says that out loud to themselves? Marissa's like, I also like punk music. And then she lists some actual punk bands that aren't Avril Lavigne, and fucking Seth is like, Oh my god, I listen to the same music as Marissa. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Seth is a child in this episode. He's a whiny- Self-involved little child. Gatekeeping music from teen girls who don't look like they should be able to enjoy the cramps has been a national teen and adult and probably infant cis male pastime (laughs) since the big fucking bang. Ah! This is communicating that dudes should keep doing that. It is putting it on a television show and whether or not we're team Seth or team Ryan or whatever, the the viewer is supposed to be like, ugh, she has low-rise pants. She doesn't know about anything. She uses Kiehl's cucumber toner. <laughs> oh, God, she uses toilet paper? Who does that? About your Big Bang thing, I really love the idea of, like, of like heavy metals or, like, tiny atoms. They're like, oh, God, you only like this band because they're popular. 
You're you're only creating these isotopes because you saw other people create isotopes. It fucking happened. Prove it didn't. Prove it didn't. You're only a carbon-based life form because I did it first. Isotopes come on the pod. <laughs> At least Ryan is honest and says that he doesn't really listen to music. Mm-hmm. Fucking team Ryan. Yeah, we are still 100% team Ryan. Uh-huh. Brian is honest to a fault, except when he doesn't tell people that their boyfriends are cheating on them. But I guess that's a lie by omission. Yeah. So, yeah. are we going by Thomas Aquinas or like, yeah, what are, we, <laughs> what, are we basing our, what are we basing our morality off of? Um, let's get back to the, uh, the terrible idea. You wanted to talk about mm-hmm. the terrible idea. Let's okay, talk yeah, about let's it. Let's break it down. So. Okay. Ryan's like, Ryan is in the boathouse and he's like, I obviously, I, you know, he can't sleep. He's restless because he's like, I don't want to go to a fucking foster home. Because what Sandy said, he was like, don't worry, I tried to get you into one of the ones that has the fewest shootings or something like that. No, the fewest kids. The fewest kids. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's like, there have been the fewest. There uh, were like two other the people. The fewest circumstances of mysterious deaths in this one. So I tried to get you in a good place there, Ryan. No, I feel like you're embellishing a little bit. <laughs> but Syphilis it's right. hasn't broken out yet in this one, Ryan. Oh, for so God's fewest sake. cases of dysentery in this one, Ryan. Um. Anyway, so Ryan's you like, done? thanks, Sandy. <laughs> thanks for trying. Although, again, I do think Seth makes a good point. When at some point he's like, why are we not all addressing the fact that, like, we have <laughs> so much fucking room in this house? Like, he does, Seth makes that one good point where mm-hmm. he's like, this is ridiculous. We're putting him into foster care when we have an entire empty pool house and, like, way more resources than we actually need. But anyway, so Ryan's restless. He's like, I don't want to go to foster care. I'm going to run away because that's the best thing I can do. Seth comes upon him uh, and is like, where are you going? And he's like, I don't know if I can know. I guess I'll get a job. You know, I'll go to some country where they don't have extradition with the United States <laughs> or something like that. But he does say I'll go to Mexico or something, doesn't he? Uh, they say that he's gone to Mexico. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 him. yeah, yeah. So then Seth is like, wait a second. I've got an idea. And of course, we've already established in the beginning of the show that Kirsten has this model home. Um, she literally has, uh, like, it's Chekhov's model home in their fucking kitchen. <laughs> um, cut to, of course, again, Marit. This whole thing, this whole series, at least right now, is nothing but happenstance encounters when they're, like, because they're about, they're sneaking out, and Seth has his turtleneck on for sneaking, and Marissa comes upon them and is like, I'm going to a party! What are you guys doing? And literally all they have to say is nothing and leave if they want to. But she does make a good point that they have a bicycle and a skateboard and they're going to go all the way down to wherever the... It's apparently very far away where the model home is because it takes them a while to get there by Marissa's car. The model home is also... The existence of it is set up by... They're carrying on the proud tradition of making a phone call to adults to each other, and the no one says goodbye when they <laughs> hang up. Because we're, we're bouncing all over the place here, but that's fine. Because um, we're also setting up Jimmy doesn't have any money. Yeah, we alluded to it with the securities fraud in episode one. Yeah. Which you mentioned. Right? Oh, yeah, there's the very telling phone call with b- between... Oh, no, Kirsten and Jimmy's phone call happens later. Yeah. Um, anyway, so Marissa's like, well, I'll drive you guys because skateboarding and biking there is a stupid idea. 
Uh, and then they go to the model home, and Seth is like, this is where you'll stay, in an unfinished model home that's literally a construction site. Isn't that cool? Which, to me, again, reveals further how Seth does not consider Ryan a real person. Because they don't think to take anything for him to be comfortable or safe in the middle of this fucking construction zone. The thing that Seth thinks to bring is a putt-putt fucking golf thing! <laughs> Oh, yes, thanks, Seth, and he puts it right in the fucking living room where Ryan is going to be sleeping. Golf is on the uh, hierarchy of needs. <laughs> I want you to know that. You might not be able to wipe your ass, but at <laughs> least you can practice your fucking putt. I mean, yes, there is a degree of dehumanization going on with this relationship. I think I had never really picked up on that until you started talking about it, but also... We have to keep in mind that we are adults looking at this, and Adam Brody is 24 or whatever, <laughs> but he's playing a teen. They are all teens. Teens' brains are not finished. So it is entirely plausible that teens would look at this as like some kind of romantic whatever, whatever, and think that it was an appropriate thing to do. But also, Adam, Brody, Seth... Seth, thank you. Seth thinks he's a little toy. To quote Sandy from episode one, <laughs> you gotta have a plan. You gotta have a plan. You gotta have a plan. And obviously Seth did not think this further than the first few minutes of Ryan being there. Yeah. They brought nothing for him to sleep. I mean, and then beyond just having literally no uh, accommodations for him to actually be comfortable and safe in this construction zone. Uh, also, like, what was his long term plan? Um, oh, and the biggest thing that really reveals Seth's prime priorities is later in the episode, um, when, uh, or maybe it's, I can't, I can't remember exactly when it is, but it's one of the times when all three of them are together, Marissa, Seth, and Ryan. Um, it, it might have been, it might have been later in the episode, but Seth, uh, he says something along the lines of, if you leave, we can't hang out, you know? That's his goal here. He only wants to keep Ryan around so that they can hang out, uh, which, you know, seems very selfish, you know, again, because Seth's life is very comfortable. Seth's life is very safe. He will be taken care of no matter what, whereas Ryan's whole situation is much more tenuous. You can interpret it that way, but I feel like it's not a very generous interpretation, which is fine because this is the shitting on Seth episode, but also... <laughs> I do want to kind of bring up that Ryan also is seems to be benefiting from this relationship in whatever degree it is, but he keeps seeking Seth out. You know, it's for sure. He doesn't. I don't think we're meant to believe that he has a robust uh, found family social circle kind of thing back in Chino and. This is a person who is expressing interest in him, regardless of what the interest, the end of the interest is. And these people genuinely seem to care about him in whatever fucked up way they're caring about him. They could have just said, sorry, dude, go to the foster home, but they didn't. This is a, a twisted way of showing affection. And, actually, you also kind of just made me consider something else. Ryan, 
So Seth is using Ryan to a degree for social cachet, mm-hmm. right? Ryan is absolutely using Seth a little bit to a certain degree for access to Marissa, mm-hmm. uh, obviously for, you know, a stopgap to him going into the foster system, mm-hmm. you know. So there is some mutual benefit. I would not call them friends yet. Like Sandy at one point when uh, when Seth knows full well where Ryan is, but is lying to the authorities and to everybody uh, to try and protect Ryan. Mm-hmm. Um, when Sandy is like, you got to help me look for him. He's your friend. I was like, eh, they're not really friends. You know, like they've known each other. Like we're supposed to believe that after episode one, Ryan has been at the house at least for like a, a day or two, mm-hmm. right? While the while Sandy um, pursued getting him into the system, right? Enough for them to do a graduate homage in the opening scene together in the pool. Oh my god, I never even made that connection. I just made it right now. Good job. Do you know what your Evan's homework is between now and the next episode? Watch Rebel Without a Cause again. Okay. Because that's one of the first things talking about parallels that I picked up on. Because there's the whole Salminio, James Dean, Natalie Wood. They find an abandoned house. They get into trouble, blah, blah, blah. I think this is trying to kind of call that to mind. Teen threesome. Teen threesome. (laughs) Teen found family. Yeah, that's better. Because everybody to a certain degree, Marissa is fully checked out of her own life. For sure, yeah. She is not going to parties. She's avoiding Luke. Um, I don't think she's even going to care if and when she finds out he's been cheating with the nameless blonde girl. Does she have a name? The one on the beach? I don't think so, no. Nameless blonde girl. I don't think she's going to care. Yeah. Has he has to be seen. Okay, what were we talking about? Oh, yeah. We were talking about how dumb the decision was to put him in the mobile home, but I think we covered that. So bad. It was very bad. Model home. Model home. Yeah. Thank you. Um, also, that model home is fucking huge. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Just the largesse of it all. I was like, uh, this is my other chip on my shoulder for, for Seth, which I do need, I absolutely need to admit, <laughs> is eat the rich, you know? like. Uh-huh. He's this kid that has everything he could ever want. And I'm like, oh, you are my class enemy. (laughs) So I'll try and get over that as we move on. You don't have to. You don't have to. You're very anti-Seth right now. (laughs) Seth can fuck off. (laughs) Shit. Okay. Let's pivot to the adults for a second and what's going on in their little world. Jimmy continues to be broke and a scrub, which we already... (laughs) Covered a little bit. Borrows 100K from Kristen, which seems to be nothing to her. Right. She's like, I'll call the bank. And I'm like, must be nice. <laughs> First of all, just to point just to um, point out, this is $158,856.52 in today's money. And let's talk about the multiplicity of ways this is being set up to bite both of them in the ass mm-hmm. in the future. Mm-hmm. It is already biting Jimmy in the ass a little bit because his daughter overhears that they are poor, they are poors, mm-hmm. and he is borrowing money, mm-hmm. and he is lying to her, mm-hmm. which is the ultimate teen sin. We can tell each other anything, honey. Can we? Can we? we? <laughs> <laughs> can I? Okay, let's really quick. What's Marissa's mom's name? 
Uh, Marissa's mom's name is Julie. Okay, can we focus briefly on how Julie <laughs> is obviously just using Jimmy for his money? Like, oh my god, she doesn't give a single shit about the fact that she walks in on him in his office. He looks like a man who's being hunted by the mafia. Uh-huh. Like, he is fucking sweating. He's in his fucking pajamas. He's got mounds of paper in front of him. He's like, oh, honey, I don't know. Um, I really want to talk to you about... And she's like, uh-uh-uh. You know I don't like talking. I do, however, need money. Our daughter needs this pony. Write me the check for this pony. And he's like, honey, I'd really like to talk to you. And he's like, uh-uh, nope. She, she, she should have spritzed him with a fucking bottle of water. Like, no, <laughs> no, we don't. You don't talk. We don't talk. No talky. Money. Money, money now. Daddy, money. <laughs> That's really, it's fucking great. That feels like a tonal inconsistency to me with this show. Like, the... Uh, Pony has alopecia <laughs> is obviously played for laughs, but like, how seriously do does the show want us to take its characters? Because Julie, at this point, it's she could develop dimension later. I genuinely do not remember, but she's like the comic relief right now. But this situation is also supposed to be very serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's obviously. You know, Jimmy is scared of well, they're being visited by the fucking FBI. Or not the FBI, what Securities is it? and Exchange. There we go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like they are they are in the process of being investigated, right? By the federal government. Um and Marissa knows that. So she already knew something was up. Now she gets to see what's happening, the fact that they're actually in dire straits. Uh, I love how Jimmy at the end of the episode when Julie hangs out with him on the couch and Marissa comes by and is in tears. Um, but before that, when uh, he's like, oh, hey, babe, you know that uh, a thing I want to talk about? Yeah, I took care of it. I took care of it? My ass, you took care of it? You borrowed money from Kirsten, you fucking slob. <laughs> like, oh, my God, you didn't do shit. You got yourself into dangerous debt and then you like. You had her bail you out, essentially. What do we think the ramifications for Kristen, Kirsten, are going to be? I mispronounced both of those words in one sentence. Oh, I think... Okay, so it's like you said. The ramifications will be twofold. Uh, When it comes out, uh, when Julie finally uh, learns that, you know, Jimmy has been mishandling money, making bad bets, whatever it is that's put them into this this, uh, situation... He is, as the French say... Unpoor. <laughs> when Julie finds out, she might just, you know, divorce him. Who knows? Um, but she will absolutely not be happy. That will be a circumstance where perhaps Julie's character will get growth. And this is a show where, and we'll talk about this, characters that I didn't expect to have moments of growth have been given moments of growth. And it's only episode two, but we'll get to that. I'm sure you have questions about it. So that's going to happen in Jimmy's family. In Kirsten's family... Uh, obviously, Sandy at some point will become aware of what's happening with their finances, that she is calling their banker to make late night deposits of $100,000, uh, $156,000 in 2022 money. Um, damn, inflation sucks. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's absolutely going to be a point of conflict for both of those families in a later episode. 
It has to be. Yeah. Chekhov's debt. Chekhov's debt. <laughs> okay, let's switch to the scene with Chekhov's 10,000 candles. <laughs> Where the... Okay, let's fucking talk about these goddamn candles. Okay. <laughs> so they the scene opens. A, Ryan knows he's leaving. Uh-huh. Right? He is set to leave because they have learned that a new construction firm will be continuing work on the model home either the following day or the day after, but soon, yeah. right? So he needs to skedaddle and get out of there. He knows he's leaving. Question one, where the fuck did he get all these candles? That's question one. It It's, again, I think it's a instance of being bad at showing, not telling on the writer's part, because they're like, ha-ha, Marissa brought over, like, Keel's Cucumber Toner. You know, mm-hmm. do you think she brought a bunch of candles? Did. I, they didn't show. They need to show someone unpacking at least one candle. Yeah, for us to think that there is those were at least there were at least twenty five candles in that scene. Uh huh. Okay, so my question one: A, where the fuck did he get these candles? Question two: He knows he's leaving. Why the fuck did he take the time to light and display all of these candles? Because question three. He had no idea Marissa was going to show up. She shows up out of the blue to, um, to, oh yeah, to profess, you know, that she likes him and she's sad that he's leaving because then they won't get a chance. They won't get a chance to get to know each other better or have a moment or, you know, fall in love or whatever it is that she wants from him. And he's listening to her mix CD. Right? Yeah. I mean, they've, they've, they've shown and not told that Marissa's into him. They're know. angsting for each other. On the scene where they're biking around, she's on the back of the bike, she's having fun, hiding, you know, uh, uh, covering his eyes. Like, it's obvious they're into each other. They're super into each other. Um, so she shows up. If I could, okay, I could buy that he would have lit the candles if he knew she was going to visit and wanted to have a romantic setting uh-huh. to have their moment. But neither of those things were the case. He didn't know she was going to show up, and she does show up, and he rejects her. Because they're from two different worlds, which he's totally right about. And Uh there's no way on God's earth Julie is going to ever like, right? He's from Chino, for God's sake. So those are my questions. Why these fucking candles? Oh my God. The second that was happening, I was like, well, these are Chekhov's candles. (laughs) Like, what the, why, what the fuck is happening right now? This is editing, Evan. I just need to pop in here again and say it doesn't even it makes even less sense for him to know he was leaving and light all these candles and then leave. Was he going to just leave an incredible fire hazard sitting in this house? Or are we led to believe he was going to light all these candles and place them artfully around the model home? And then blow them all out and leave? That also doesn't make any sense. Okay. Back to the program. There is absolutely a way they could have done that better. Uh, Set it up more realistically if a fight and a fire had to happen. Also, side note, Ryan throws the first punch count of this season to... (laughs) So far. I just thought of the solution. Have 
Marissa go to the place and light the candles for Ryan to show up, uh -huh. you know, to get his shit together or something like that. Because she wanted the, she would have wanted to make a romantic atmosphere to be like, hey, I don't want you to go. I want us to see where this is, see what this is, see what we can make together, you know? Also, wasn't it established that it's a model home without any amenities? Yeah. Oh, wait. There's boomboxes and batteries. Never mind. <laughs> I was like, where are they plugging in the boombox? Oh. <laughs> I've just exploded. They um, don't have Wi-Fi. <laughs> Mix CD. No, I cannot fault them for that. Also, this is the first time where they're... Uh, platforming a specific song by a specific artist, Jeff Buckley. Rufus Wainwright. Oh. <laughs> Was it the Jeff Buckley version of Oh my that god. Song? Oh my god. I have taught you nothing. <laughs> yes, it was the Jeff Buckley version. Of, uh, Secret Chord. Hallelujah. The, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. God, that was overplayed back in the 2000s. Uh-huh. And the mix CD, I think this is... They did play a Rufus Wainwright song, though, at the beginning. Though. Yes. His California California. Song. He also does a cover of Hallelujah, though. Yes. I only know these things because you've played them for me. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. Where? Uh, yes. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I distracted you from your question. Okay, it's fine. It's fine. Oh, they're platforming music. They're platforming music. They are kind of inching towards the musical force that they are going to eventually become in the culture. And this isn't even spoiling anything for you, but I won't tell you how big it becomes until we get there. All right. But the very prominently displayed label on the mix CD that says the model home mixes or songs or whatever She's got a color printer. She's got a color printer. Jimmy's got to pay for that color printer. <laughs> color printers were not cheap in the 2000s. Colored ink does not grow on trees. Yeah, God, no. Okay, the Ooh, fight. Wait, that might have been a laser jet. Yeah, okay, so fight. we all saw it coming because Marissa shows up to... Is uh, is Summer's... Summer only throws parties. That's the only thing I know about Summer so far is that she likes getting wasted... Um, she hates Seth, um, ew, uh, and she throws parties. These no, she hates Ryan. She has no opinion on Seth at this point. She I mean, she dislikes the fact that Ryan is from Chino. Yeah. Um, but she also, somebody says, like, Seth Cohen, and she's like, Ugh. No, she said who? She's like, Ugh. Ugh. No, that's not what happened. Anyway, so Marissa goes briefly <laughs> to Summer's party, and, um... Luke is like, if I ever see that kid again, I'm going to beat his ass. going to beat his ass down, is what Luke says. Uh -huh. And Marissa's like, I can't even be here right now. I can't even be here right now. And she leaves and he's, you know, Luke is like, babe, what's up? Where are you going? And she's like, you don't even know him. You know nothing about him. <laughs> and she leaves and Summer makes this little face that's like, it's like, deal with your, deal with your woman. Yes. It's basically what Summer says. Mm -hmm. Summer doesn't, this is the other thing. Summer doesn't even seem to like Marissa that much. Like, she, like, she just wants her there to have her there. I don't know. It's weird. Anyway, so Luke and his boys follow Marissa. She goes to have her moment 
with Seth. I guess they couldn't have Ryan. had her. Sorry, uh, they couldn't have had her light the candles because it wouldn't make sense in the timeline. But anyway, she's like, "Ooh, you lit candles! Are we gonna bone down?" And Ryan's <laughs> like, "No, uh, we're from. I'm from the wrong side of the tracks, Pony Boy." And she's like, "I hate you!" And runs away crying. Um, and she leaves, and we see. Right before the commercial break, Luke pulls up in his monster truck, um, which Ryan should have heard coming from, like, two miles away. I'm assuming that thing sounds like a fucking chainsaw. But also, the model home is a giant cavern. That's true. That's true. So, yes, the fight. uh, Ryan hears some people coming up the stairs, and he's like, Hey, Seth, I'm almost ready, and then we're gonna go. And then Luke comes in, he's like, you're not going anywhere, pretty boy. <laughs> and Ryan's like, you got something to say to me? You say it with your fists. <laughs> and Luke's like, let's dance with our mouths. And they should kiss, but they don't. Nah. But they do fight. Um, and it's super unfair because Luke has two other guys with him. Was it two or three? I don't remember. It's at least two other guys. Uh-huh. His buddies. Um, they fight... Of course, they knock over a bunch of candles. Nobody thinks to go, hey, guys, there's a bunch of candles here. Let's go outside and fight in a place where we're not going to burn this building down. They're passionate teens. (laughs) They don't have time to make rational decisions. And like, oh, God, that makes Luke feel even worse because he walks in and he's like, oh, my God, they obviously like something romantic was happening here. That's the only reason you would light this many candles. This is the same thing the audience is thinking is, why did you light all these candles? Anyway, uh, they fight, uh, starts a fire, and this is where Luke, to my surprise, gets a little bit of character development. I was shocked. I thought he was just going to be the bully character the entire time, and he's not. He sees Ryan on the ground, not breathing. You know, you can see him. He's running down the stairs, and he's struggling with himself. He's like, oh, I did say to his face that I was going to kill him, but uh, it turns out murder isn't cool. So then he goes and he grabs him and he drags his body down and he does the fireman's carry and he gets him outside. First of all, murder is cool. (laughs) Second of all, I don't, I think I agree that he experiences some growth, but it's unclear at this point how much of that is in his own self-interest because... Mm -hmm. If he was implicated for killing this kid, he probably wouldn't get to go to Yale or whatever. (laughs) Or he at least have to do a week of community service because he is a rich white man. So there's that. So at this point, we just don't know enough about Luke to assume any good or bad intent no, you can assume bad intent on his part. <laughs> Never mind. Scratch all of that. <laughs> I mean, you know, the actor did a good job of, you know, sort of face acting while he was going to go downstairs. If I'm going to ascribe intent to Luke's character, um, I think he did it because he didn't want Ryan to die. I don't think he did it because he was considering... The impact it might have on his future, although... Can it be both? He did say when he pulled his monster truck up to Ryan, um, he did say, if we don't say anything, no one has to know it was us. 
right? So obviously he's also scared of, yeah, being implicated in the destruction of the model home. Okay, a couple of stray notes that I have, and we have one more thing to say, I think, about Luke before we get to that. Why do you think he did what he did at the very end? Oh, why he took Ryan to... No, no, when he... Everyone was oh, in yeah, the very, very was in the driveway. It was an accident. Uh-huh. There we go. Yeah. I So if Luke was the villain of the first episode, I don't necessarily think he's the villain of the second. I know that's a question that we'll answer later. Mm-hmm. But um Yeah, because Ryan right, Ryan asks him to give him a ride to the house, to Sandy's house. Gets out of the car. The cops are there. The cops are like, are you Ryan? Um, what, what's his last name? Uh, Atwood. Brian Atwood. Are you Ryan Atwood? Uh, and he's like, yeah. We've got to ask you some questions. So he gets you know, his hands behind it. I like how Ryan is like, well, you're going to handcuff me. So he puts his hands behind his back. <laughs> like, I've been here before. Um, yeah, but then Luke, who did not have to, says it was an accident yeah and the cops like you were there yeah then we've got questions for you too also credit to sandy for being like don't either of you idiots say a damn thing (laughs) this is important never talk to the cops a cab never ever talk to the fucking police ever 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 a cab yeah i'm glad that i'm glad that sandy said that as uh as mr atwood's attorney Yes. Um, so please do not ask him any questions without me present. Um, yeah. So why did Luke do that? That I think we'll have to discover later on, probably next episode. But probably in the next episode. And probably uh, it, it, to, to me, it shows that he's not the monster that I made him out to be. He's not the one dimensional you know, bully character that you would see if this was like a movie or something. They're kind of stuttering towards fully dimensional characters. Which is a shock. A little bit of a shock to me. I honestly thought Luke was just going to be around long enough to be Marissa's boyfriend until she dumps him to start dating Ryan. That was my guess. Yeah. But he wouldn't have his face associated with the actor's name in the credits if he wasn't going to be a more of a, more of an actually like, yeah, developed character. So. True. It's interesting. Yeah. I have written down, got your Mac on, is something someone said in reference to teen makeout. <laughs> yes! Never put period slang in your teen soap opera unless you want people to make fun of it on their podcast 20 years later. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, it's like we were driving around the other day listening to Lil' Kim and she says at the end, 2003, and we're like, uh... Uh, um, 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 yeah, uh, Ryan's like, how long you guys been together? And she's like, I don't know. And Seth's like, I know. <laughs> it was when you were macking at each other in Blarby Blarb Blarb's Bart Mitzvah or whatever he said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Seth has a little bit too good of a memory of other people's makeout sessions for my comfort. Fuck Seth. <laughs> We're here. This is where we are now. Um, (laughs) The first instance of gay panic that we can recall, or yes, manicures. Remember? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Marissa knows that she needs to get out of this dish. So I love how Luke shows up. (laughs) Julie gives him breakfast. 
he's like, oh, hey, babe. Yeah, I thought we could. He offers what to me sounds like a lovely day. Going on the boat. What, he's like doing some water skiing, get some lunch. I'm like, oh my God, go with Luke. That sounds great. <laughs> like, but that's probably her every other day. That's for true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she needs to get out of that. She's like, oh, babe, you and I could, we could get manicures. And he's like, no, no, you go alone, babe. That's fine. I'll see you later. Oh, God, I would never do that. Yeah. Is that done at the diner or is that at her house? She, Yeah, it's at the house. He comes and he's talking about uh, what he wants to do and she says... Oh, that's right. And she shows up at the diner. Of course like, they show up is- at the same fucking diner that Ryan and Seth and Marissa are at on their little play day. This I don't have a problem with because this is not being depicted as a very expansive town. So all of the teens will go to whatever sock hop... <laughs> Whatever soda jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The pull-ups that Ryan was doing on the... (laughs) Yeah, on the construction equipment. The construction structures. Is this the first instance of fan service (laughs) on this show? (laughs) And if it is not, we are being led by our teeth (laughs) to Team Ryan at this point. Yeah, oh my god. Like, you know, it's one of two things for me. Um, he's getting ready for prison, you know? He's gonna have to be able to fight. Um, or it's just, yeah, look at this 25-year-old man's arms that no high school person actually has. We need to pay respect to the line, you know what I like about rich kids? (gasps) Nothing. Nothing, smack. (laughs) Yeah, he shoots first every single encounter, and for I goddamn someone, love it. For someone who is on the edge of multiple foster homes at every <laughs> point in his life, he really enjoys getting into fights first. Uh, he really does. And I don't understand this. He's just on a hair trigger. But the other thing is, he he. I think every single time, when, except for the fight at the end where he's alone, he does it in defense of someone else. Um, he fights Luke for the first time on the beach in are, defense of Seth. Are they both in defense They're of Seth? They're both in defense of Seth. Because he says- Ryan had successfully left the diner. Seth was still behind and trips on the waiter, spills a bunch of stuff. And then Luke is like, fuck you, queer. And Seth's like, mm, at least I don't shave my chest. And then Luke's like, what did you say to me? And then so Seth tries to walk it back. He's like, you have a very sexy chest or something like that. And Luke's like, fuck you. I'm going to beat your fucking eyeballs in. And then Ryan comes back, which he did not have to do. He had made good his escape, mm-hmm. but he comes back to protect Seth. Uh-huh. Team Ryan. Team Ryan. Dude, Seth. You couldn't fucking leave the building without fucking knocking over, like, an entire fucking, like... He knocked over, like, a wedding cake. Like, (laughs) this was, like, some Marx Brothers fucking, like... Oops, I fell down a flight of stairs and knocked over an entire shiffer robe of glass marbles. And now I'm in a piano head first. (laughs) (laughs) Oopsie daisy. (laughs) Fucking Seth. But if he hadn't done all that, we wouldn't have gotten that line. We wouldn't have to know what I like about rich kids. Nothing. Is there a shirt? I should make a shirt. You should make a shirt. 
<laughs> That'll be merch merch for the pod. <laughs> There's no merch for the pod. Don't go look for merch for the pod because it doesn't exist. Okay, episode MVP. Oh my god. Episode MVP. Okay, let me kind of break down everyone's sort of key moments here. Jimmy is in trouble financially and gets help from Kirsten. Kirsten helps Jimmy. Also, it's sort of alluded to that they have history, like from their high school days. Uh Uh-huh. And that this isn't the first time this has happened. It is not alluded to. It is very openly spoken of in a conversation. It's not subtext. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think it's Jimmy for me because he's a loser. I don't think it's Kirsten for me because she's like, I don't want this kid in my house anymore. When he obviously isn't a, he isn't a threat and he needs somewhere to go. Uh, and they have a lot of room that they could easily be using to give this kid a home. So it's not Kirsten. Um, also, boys need to be boys more. <laughs> Adam Brody needs him to get to get into more fights. I don't think it's Sandy, primarily because when Sandy goes to look for Ryan, the only thing he does is kind of drive around the city. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's like Sandy. So as they're driving and he's got Seth in the passenger seat, he's like, he could be anywhere. And I'm like, yeah, he's probably not walking along the highway. Like, maybe you should look somewhere that a kid would go and not like the interstate. I don't know. He was thumbing for a ride at one point. It's plausible. Uh, he was ready to uh, hitchhike. Sandy's a goof in this episode. He I is. don't think Sandy's the MVP. Um, Marissa, really, the only agency that she has in this episode is she cries. She gets mad at Luke and walks out. Uh, she tries to have a moment with Ryan, but then she doesn't accept his very acceptable response and she takes his whole we're from two worlds as like an offense which to me really feels like um um affluenza right she's like we're not so different you and me it's like marissa you're very very different we both bleed red (laughs) but we both like the cramps um (laughs) no he doesn't like the cramps seth likes the cramps oh i'm sorry i'm sorry that's right he doesn't like music ryan doesn't know shit about music i apologize um, yeah, so I don't think it's her. It's certainly not Seth. Seth can go to hell. <laughs> Seth could fall down a flight of stairs and twist both ankles for all I care. Um, I, I hate to say it, it leaves us with either Ryan or Julie, and Julie just cares about, like, her horse, so I think we gotta go with Ryan. MVP, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking maybe Luke, but no, he spends most of the episode being an asshole. Uh, and has, like, a tiny redemption arc at the end. No, MVP is Ryan. Yeah, Team Ryan. Team Ryan. I'm going to say it's Summer, because she's not in any of this shit. <laughs> she has the good sense to drink her vodka <laughs> she, and stay at the... She just She's just getting sloppy and living her best life. <laughs> That's what she's doing. <laughs> Girl bossing and gatekeeping. <laughs> <laughs> Descending escaliers <laughs> like she does. Yes. <laughs> Wearing poochie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I bet her pony doesn't have alopecia. <laughs> yeah, no, her, her pony is fine. Her pony is great. <laughs> All right, episode villain. Episode villain. So, yeah, like I said, it was Luke last time. I'm going to say episode villain is Jimmy. Um, Jimmy's not taking accountability for his actions. Uh, he tried to talk to Julie about it. He didn't try real hard, though. You know, when she was like, I don't want to listen to it. He could have been like, no, this is really serious. We're in some pretty, we're in some pretty hairy financial, you know, debt here. Mm-hmm. Um, shit's pretty bad and we need to seriously discuss this because we have a child and, you know, we have responsibilities. They have two children. Who's the other one? The one with the pony. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They'd be like, okay. Yeah. We've got children together. This is a serious conversation. Do I know her name? No. We'll just call her Pony Boy for now. Be like, this is a serious conversation that we should be having. So Jimmy could have tried a little harder there to actually be accountable for what he's done and the potential risks he's put his family in. And then, then, it's fine to ask for help. It is absolutely fine to ask for help. There's nothing with that. If they try to do some bullshit emasculation thing where they're like, you're not a real man because you can't take care of your shit and you gotta get help from a lady or something like that. It's unfair that I did a Southern accent, but... It's fine to ask for help. I'm glad that he did that instead of, like, getting both of his kneecaps broken by the Securities Exchange Commission or whatever. However, he should absolutely not have been like, oh, don't worry about it, babe. I took care of it. Like, that's a little bit of bullshit. So I think, yeah, episode villain for me, 100% Jimmy. Here's my question. is, And I don't have an answer to this, which is why I'm asking it. Okay. <laughs> Isn't securities and exchanges, like, the thing that got Martha Stewart into trouble? <laughs> like, how is 100K going to fix whatever is happening with him? That's a good question. Maybe we'll find out later. Is it... Is it... Uh, Schrodinger's 100K? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, Schrodinger's 100K. It's inside the box and outside and the box. And outside of the box, yeah. It's in his account and not in his account. <laughs> Okay, I think that we've covered everything. Who's the everything. villain for you? Who's the villain oh, for the you? Oh, the villain for you me. You gotta pick a villain. You can't be Summer. Fuck Seth. <laughs> Seth is the villain. Yeah, okay. Yeah, That no, that checks out. That checks out. That's a pretty good one. All day. Yeah. I'm gonna still stay on Jimmy as mine, but Seth is my runner-up villain. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Dad, I want to keep my cool iguana. <laughs> Don't euthanize him. <laughs> And that's the mental image we're going to leave you with, <laughs> listeners. Sandy just drowning an iguana <laughs> in a sack in a river. <laughs> that's not even humane. That's not euthanization. <laughs> Iguanas from like a troubled home. Oh my God. <laughs> the iguana stole a car. We're done here. <laughs> California, Sarah. California, Evan. You just listened to Orange You Glad We Watched the OC, recorded in Guest Bedroom Studios, hosted by Sarah and Evan. Original concept and questions by Sarah, recorded by Evan, edited by Evan, uploaded by Sarah. Please give us as many stars as the platform you're listening to this on will allow you to give us. Copyright 2022.